Did we get Cheesecake Factory last time we were recording? I don't think so. Because I have a vague memory of, <laughs> like, using a packaged straw in my drink, and I don't remember why. We got Starbucks last time before we recorded. Oh, stop. Oh, that was right. That I, I got my, my pumpkin frappuccino. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta remember the pumpkin frappuccino. Uh, that was the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kids, and welcome to another. Uh, Jesus fucking Christ. Welcome to <laughs> another episode of my spooky gay family. This is a mini, mini microsode. And we are very excited to be back because we are uh, on week six of the 13th. Oh, my God. We're almost halfway. I, that like just dawned. I was like, I was like, we're on week six of the 13 weeks of, oh my God, I can't do math. <laughs> it literally like didn't even dawn on me that we are almost, we are just about halfway through the 13 weeks of Halloween. You just Tommy boy for a second. You just <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what does, what does he say before? Oh my God. Oh. Is, is that when he's in the office with the car or is it with the, the waitress at the like Denny's or whatever they're at? I think it's the waitress. It's been a long time. <laughs> Tommy since I, want wingy. It's been a long time since I saw that movie. I know. I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, but I can quote it like crazy. <laughs> Mostly because of Bob. Bob and Kevin love Tommy Boy. It's a good movie. It's a funny movie. I, I honestly love Chris Farley and just about everything he ever I did. I know. So it's... Have you ever seen Black Sheep? Yes. It's so funny. <laughs> Christine Eversall is so good in that movie. And uh, what's, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Oh, Almost Famous. Not Almost Famous. Almost, almost, famous, almost Heroes. Heroes. <laughs> almost Heroes is one of the, the best comedy movies I think I've ever seen in my <laughs> Could life. Could you imagine Almost Famous starring Chris Farley? <laughs> uh, it would have been a very different film. Yes. <laughs> but he was playing the Kate Hudson role. <laughs> Um. Yes, Almost Heroes is a very good movie, and it happens to be the last movie that he ever made. It was a story of like two pioneers, played by Chris Farley and <laughs> Matthew Perry, and it is so freaking funny. If yes. you guys have not watched it, you absolutely should. Do you know who's never seen it? David. David has <laughs> never seen Almost Heroes. I don't think Sarah's seen it either. Really? She has. Never mind. She's not. <laughs> I really didn't think she had. It is a very good movie. I, do, I recommend it to any of our listeners who have never seen it. It's kind of ridiculous humor. It's basically these pioneers are racing uh, Lewis, and Clark. Lewis and Clark to the West Coast to be the first people to see the Pacific Ocean. Um, and so they, they go on this expedition and it it is 
It goes horribly awry. It goes horribly awry. <laughs> as, because as things do. Their their little band of misfits is just insane. Uh, but it it is great. It is a great movie. And the scenes with Chris Farley and the bald eagle <laughs> are what make the whole fucking movie. It's so good. <laughs> Uh, how are you doing, anyway. Sam Baxter? Um, I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm here. It's Monday. I'm always happy for it to be Monday. <laughs> it's been a long week. It's been a really long week. <laughs> but it's been a it's been a reasonably good week. I started cleaning out my office, which you saw. Um my office was like it was just becoming like I was I was calling it like the disappointments room. It was just <laughs> everything was that was like where we'd throw everything. I was like Teddy in Bob's Burgers when they opened that one door in his house, and it's just like that's his hoarding room. That was my <laughs> office because I would, I would just like throw things in there and be like, "Well, this is done now." I mean, kudos to you to keeping it for one to for keeping it to one room. I can speak mostly yes, mostly yes. But that's the problem. It's like. David and I are very lucky because we have our bedroom and then we have the office in our apartment. But a lot of people are like, oh, my God, you have a whole separate office. How great. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. It's like three people sharing one office because there's David, there's me, and then there's the monster, Pissy Miles. <laughs> and she takes up a lot of fucking space. <laughs> <laughs> she has a whole walk-in closet. She there are like shelves and shelves of wigs and shoes and there's like costumes everywhere and makeup and like weird shit that you wouldn't expect like puppets and paint <laughs> and like like boxes and boxes of spray paint and like <laughs> like weird shit you would never get. There's like giant tutus two of them <laughs> not even like, like like it's not one giant tutu it's like two massive tutus and petticoats and all kinds of bizarre shit that you would not have ever expected to find but it is slowly coming back together i'm just uh struggling to find places for all of her nonsense i mean if you can find a way to contain her I mean, you've never been terribly good at it. Nobody puts pissy in a corner. <laughs> you can't contain her. Uh, but we're not here today to talk about my 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 office. We're here today to talk about the topic of our mini mini microsode, which, which is is episode three of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries reboot. And uh, this one is a fucking doozy. Let me tell you. Yeah, this one is. Like, both heartbreakingly sad and also a little bit like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's got a little bit of everything. Um, and to to add, like, another layer of, of kind of strangeness to us, it is, it takes place in France, and we don't speak French, so it's all, like, with subtitles, and there are obviously cultural differences, so, like... There's this kind of added layer to it, in at least from my perspective. Did you find that watching it? I think that there was there was definitely sort of a exoticness, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. <laughs> like I don't know how I could possibly sound more American right now. I know, uh, <laughs> but to, no, I'm I'm saying to be fair, it's like we don't have well, we don't have officially an aristocracy. In America. And that plays a big part in this story. That's so true. there are a lot of like cultural differences between what we 
experience in America and what goes on in France. And so it kind of added this like other strange layer to the story for me. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I was so focused on its similarity to another case, which I'm sure we'll end up talking about a little Mm -hmm. bit that I was, which you told me about that. I had no idea was a thing. Yeah. And it happened like 10 miles from here. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Surprise. Uh, Yeah. which blows my mind because I think of all the times I've spent downtown in that town and I'm like, oh my God, like I was probably like six feet from craziness. I mean, not that this happened in no. the recent past, but uh, it it is kind of crazy. It's like that idea of like being in a place where something terrible happened and yeah. it's like you had no idea. <laughs> it just kind of like sends those shivers down your I'm spine. I'm pretty sure they tore down the house. Really? Yeah. That's I'm pretty so sure weird. that they tore it down. And you know what's weird is, uh, let's, I'm just going to outright say it. Yeah. This is Westfield, New Jersey, the town we're talking about. Um, Westfield is a very affluent town. It is Extremely. It, it is an extremely affluent town. Probably one of, I wouldn't say one of the richest, but it is up on the in the like top 15% of, of rich towns in, in New Jersey. Um, and they have had quite a bit of like, shocking weird crime what was the other one wasn't there one where like someone was getting like weird phone calls or oh or the, watcher. The, watcher. the watcher yeah the westfield watcher and they were getting i don't, I don't remember if it was phone calls or letters like they, it was they, they there were was, getting letters it, yeah and it was all very strange and it was going on for a long time yeah no it was creepy as fuck we might we might just want we to should do, do a westfield watcher episode but um yeah no the uh the family annihilator from westfield his name is john list um yeah. who is quite famous for getting caught by america's most wanted mm. so um hopefully we get a repeat <laughs> <laughs> um but we are talking about of course the uh the netflix episode three of unsolved mysteries and this one is <laughs> quite aptly named House of Terror, which uh, immediately, like, you go to click on it and you're like, oh, shit, what am I what am I about to get into? Yeah, when I saw the title, it was a little bit like, okay. It's It sounds like it's going to be like a haunted house murder, doesn't it? Like like a Halloween, like, walkthrough haunted house. Yeah, like, I honestly thought we were going to be talking about ghosts for a second. It It is odd. And you know what's funny? They don't do a lot of ghosts, on uh, at least on the old Unsolved Mysteries. It popped up once in a while, if I'm not mistaken, but... Uh, it was it was they tended to cover more UFOs than ghosts. Yeah, no, they did like the big stuff. They did like the Queen Mary, mm-hmm. and um, I think they did an Eastern State Penitentiary episode actually. But um, yeah, no, they they didn't tend to go for the supernatural so much as they went for or the paranormal. Rather, I didn't know they did Eastern State. I think they did an they did an episode on it. That's I, crazy. I, I, I seem to recall seeing an episode on it, but it, I'd love to watch that episode. You've been to Eastern State. Yes, several times. I have not. I've never been. We're going to need to get you there as soon as we're allowed to go places I know. again. <laughs> I was like, not in the near future, but hopefully in the not so distant future. Uh, yeah, I would love to go to Eastern State. I I mean, I would love to visit it any time of year to to learn the history and the culture of the culture, the history and the um, the kind of I- insanity of that place. But I would also love to do there. The haunted house. Haunted house. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's a it's a touch haunted house. <clears throat> yeah, and those are haunted houses that I tend to get a little about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I would do it again, knowing that they can touch me. That's not, <laughs> that's not a. You know, that's a that's a friends and close relations kind yeah. of thing. Like that's, that's a damage on it moment. <laughs> yeah. Um Yes, so House of Terror, this is kind of a it's a crazy episode. Basically, it is about a gentleman named Xavier Dupont du Ligonnet. Uh and please get ready for a lot of like butchery of yeah. the French language oui. in this episode. <laughs> Je suis désolé. <laughs> Je suis fatigué. Um, <laughs> that's a Will and Grace oh, joke. God. I can't even take credit for it, but it has been so uh, useful to me since I put on weight. I, I'm just like, <laughs> Je suis fatigué. <laughs> uh, th- and that's about all the French I speak. I know Je suis fatigué. I can understand a bit of French, but I don't speak it much anymore. I took like a year or two of it in like middle school. With yeah, Madame no, that Provence. Was, that was about the extent of my uh, my exposure to it as well. What language did you take in high school? Italian. Oh, me too. It's terrible. I remember none of it. No, me neither. I actually speak... I probably speak more French than I speak Italian. Me too. <laughs> but I loved Mrs. Luciano. And she uh, she brought me to see Wicked. Isn't that well, one good thing came out of Italian. I know, but well, because the Italian club went to see Wicked, and I was like, "Why?" <laughs> but uh, it it really was like they were going to spend the night getting dinner at in Little Italy, and then the culmination of the night was that they were going to go see a Broadway play, and they chose Wicked because it was like just getting to the point where it was like becoming a huge hit, and um, I had already seen it in previews. And Mrs. Luciano knew that I was, like, obsessed with musical theater. And so she was like, I know you're not an Italian club, but if you want to join us, you can come and see Wicked. And I was like, okay. So I, I, <laughs> I went to see Wicked with the Italian club. And uh, still to this day, don't speak almost any Italian. The only Italian I can say is, uh, yo sono una lesbica. <laughs> which means I am a lesbian. <laughs> yes, I know what that means. <laughs> That's the only thing you can say in Italian, too, just in case you're traveling. It's the only relevant thing. The only relevant thing. Um, what? Uh, I don't even. I don't. I don't remember almost any of my Italian. But yes, this takes place. It takes place. This happened in France, and um, there is a French count named Xavier Dupont de Ligonnet. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? I have no freaking clue. I'm I'm gonna go with it. If I'm wrong, this is gonna be a crime junkie moment. Uh, do you listen to Crime Junkie? No, I don't. It's a really great podcast, and I've enjoyed it very much. Um, but there's a famous episode where they were talking about this kind of like John Doe, and his, it became he was from Canada, and it became apparent at some point that his name might have been Jacques, but. God bless them. They're two Midwestern girls, and I guess they just did not know how the name Jacques was spelled. So, of course, it's spelled J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. And so they were like, uh, it was it was discovered that his name might have been Jacques. And, like, the whole episode, <laughs> they're talking about Jacques, 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 like Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, like, they released the episode and it was just, like, email after email after email of people being like, um, 
it's Jacques. <laughs> and I felt so bad for them because they do like meticulous research about these episodes and they got everything else right. But it was it was just funny. This is going to be my Jacques. This whole episode <laughs> is my Jacques. Um, so, yes, the French count Xavier Dupont de Ligonnet uh, is from. Nantes. Where? Uh, I believe the name of the city is Nantes. Nantes. I don't know. I, I'm taking your word for it. Uh, it is. It is Nantes, France, and um, it is discovered at a certain point that his entire family has been massacred in their home. But it is. It's really quite a roller coaster the way things play out in this story, because basically. This this whole thing happens in April, right? Yeah, within the course of like, I think it's about two weeks. It's about two weeks. It's assumed that the family was murdered on April 3rd, which is I think like a Sunday night. Um, 3rd and 4th. And then nothing happens for about 10 days. And then suspicious neighbors and family kind of get the police involved and the police go and they they don't find it it's it's like a week before the police make their first uh attempt to make contact with the family they go to the house no one responds they enter the house nothing seems terribly disturbed there's really no indication yeah there's no indication that there's anything wrong excuse me and so the police leave kind of assuming that nothing is wrong and there are more, but there's so many different things that happen. There's basically a letter that is left. <laughs> it's kind of like a an excuse note. Yeah, it's mailed to all of their like family and close friends. Yeah, to kind of explain where they went, and it's totally bizarre. He's saying it's that he's insane. a spy for the DEA. <laughs> he 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 was brought to America to be a spy in a drug in tr- a transaction uh, yeah. for the DEA. Yeah, that that's the excuse he came up with. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't be like, oh, we're going out of town for a little while. Yeah, this is this is the one piece of evidence that um the Duligane um <laughs> family attorney does not in any way acknowledge or attempt to explain (laughs) well we're gonna get into that motherfucker because he was a crazy (laughs) son of a bitch i don't remember his name but they interview him for the for the for the episode and this guy is just like he's doing his job i don't even have i don't know like i was like did he help him well we'll get into it uh so basically over the course of another week, the cops make like four or five returns to this address because people keep saying you need to check on the family, you need to check on the family, you need to check on the family. The only thing that's strange is that some of the bed linens have been removed and that yeah. uh, some of the pictures have been removed from frames on the wall. Yeah, which is strange, especially since apparently the frames were then replaced on the wall empty. Exactly. Which is like... Which is huh? not normal. <laughs> oh, we're having the pictures redone. <laughs> we sent them for retouches. Uh, 
Yes. So the police return for the on the I think the last time they come back, it's like ten or f- fourteen days later. Basically, we're talking a time span of like the thirteenth to the twenty first of mm-hmm. when the police are are investigating the house. And on the twenty first of April, they come back to the house and they're doing a, a another investigation and somehow this investigation takes them out into the backyard and they find under the patio which is kind of raised it's a, a bit like a deck yeah it's a little porch kind yeah of. um they find that there is some kind of situation where uh, in the garden underneath there is some kind of strange situation where it becomes apparent that there is something amiss in the yeah. in the dirt below the patio and so they go digging and they find basically five graves yeah they they initially find um essentially large black plastic bags which once opened unfortunately hold human remains exactly and it is discovered that uh those remains belong to the wife agnes as well as uh three of the children uh Oh God, whose names I can't. I, I remember one is Arthur. That's the oldest son. Yeah, it's um, Arthur, Thomas, um, Anne, and Benoit. Well, they find Benoit and Anne in the same grave with Agnes and Arthur, but yeah. Tomas is not there. Um, they also find the remains of their two family dogs under the porch, which is fucking weird, and. Not that the rest of it isn't. <laughs> yeah. And then in a separate grave, uh, like separate from the others, they find Tomas's remains. Um, but the father, Xavier, is not there. And next to all of the graves, they find with each, with each um, body, they find some kind of religious token, either a cross or a... a like a candle or a statuette rosary beads things like that (laughs) exactly because the family is a well-known aristocracy and catholic um so it is apparent that whoever buried the family there probably cared for them in some way yes or at least respected that part of their lives to the point where they would they would go to the trouble to do that yeah because the typical criminal would not take the time no to be- give them a proper religious <clears throat> burial. No, and um, one could argue that you can stick as many statues of the Virgin Mary as you want, but burying them under a porch is probably disrespectful. It's not a proper Christian burial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. It's kind of a backhanded compliment. It's like, I'm going to bury you under yeah, the porch, but I'm going a... gonna... <laughs> to put you there with a candle. It's like, oh, oh, thanks, Xavier. Yeah, it's like, but that's sweet. And allegedly, Xavier, allegedly. It's um, not allegedly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, like the hamster is looking at me, but I, I don't even care. It's the not, hamster's it's like, fuck allegedly. it. Say what you want. When you have an entire family murdered and only one person from that family missing. With the family with gun. With the family gun and the family car. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say something fucked up probably happened. Yeah. There's a reason that, the, the, that what they're asking for at the end of this episode is, have you seen this guy? Not, do you know anything about who could have killed them? Yeah, they're like, he's wanted with respect questioning. to questioning of his family's murder. Uh, and they're like, hey, 
X. Uh, kind of weird that you're the only one who lived. Give us a call <laughs> <laughs> at five five five. Walked away, <laughs> friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> XO XO. <laughs> Thinking of you. Um, yes. So, uh, unfortunately, all the remains of his family was found, and this leads to uh, an investigation where they are looking for Xavier, who is nowhere to be fucking found because it's been two weeks since the family was presumably murdered. <clears throat> and the fucked up thing about it is that. His his most of his family is presumed to have been killed on the third. And this was they deduced this because Agnes, his wife, used a, a sleep apnea like breathing machine yeah. and it went off. It turned off very suddenly at like 3 a.m. on the third. And so they're assuming that that was when the family was murdered. However, Tomas uh, the 18-year-old son. I think Arthur was 20, Tomas was 18, uh, Anne was 16, and uh, Benoit was 13, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And Tomas was going to college. They were all in kind of private schools or Catholic colleges. And Tomas had gone back to school. Like, he sent Tomas back to school. Yeah. And then presumably killed the entire family and then contacted Tomas and told him that his mother had been in a bicycle accident and was in a coma and that he had to come home. And so it's presumed that Tomas was killed the night he came home, which I believe is the fourth. Um, yeah, which kind of begs the question, why would you let him go back to school to start with? But it's... It's, it's all very yeah. odd. Um, it, it really doesn't make much sense. And I don't know the timeline of like when he was like, yeah, bye, Tomas. See you Monday when I tell you your mom's in a coma. Uh, it, it was all, the timeline is a bit confusing, especially because they have never located Xavier to pinpoint exactly what happened. Yeah. But it is assumed that uh, <clears throat> basically all of the all of the children were found with sleeping pills in their system mm -hmm. so it is assumed that the kids were drugged and sent to bed and then he killed his wife in her sleep and then uh presumably killed the children in their sleep when they were under the influence of sleeping pills yes with two shots <laughs> to the head each yes from a 22 caliber rifle. rifle which apparently belonged to his father uh who had just recently passed from a heart attack and this is where the kind of strangeness of this whole thing comes into play. I mean, not that any of this is not strange, but obviously he is a count. Uh, he is Count Xavier Dupont de Lugne. And um, he is officially a part of French aristocracy. He is part of a lineage. Um, and Thomas was his oldest biological son apparently Arthur was not his biological son right which is why some people have they've kind of posed that he didn't have as much trouble murdering Arthur because Arthur was not actually a part of his lineage that Tomas was actually his oldest biological son and mm -hmm. so he would have been the rightful heir to the aristocracy so a lot of people have kind of suggested that he may have been a little bit more timid about murdering him because 
he was ending the line of his aristocracy by I, killing Tomas. I just feel like that's such a like, and I'm I'm not saying that the theory is bullshit because I don't think it is. I think it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But like, what a bullshit distinction to I make know. among your children. <laughs> like, I'm gonna murder all of my kids except this one because I kind of want someone to carry on the family. Nah, never mind. <laughs> it's like what what goes through people's and this was my big question when I was watching this episode. It's like aristocracy is just the most bizarre, like man-made idiocy that like it just does not make any sense to me like because the whole the whole theory is that basically it it when his father passed away it, it, he learned that there was no money that there was that basically the whole lineage was like bankrupt and really not worth much anymore and he had been very unsuccessful in all of his business ventures and like he was basically going to be a disappointment and so yeah. Everyone kind of assumed that the reason he did this is to spare his children, the his family, the embarrassment of his failure and to spare himself the the embarrassment of his failure. So it's like, you yeah, know, that's why most family annihilators commit the crime that they're committing. It's but that doesn't make motivation. any sense to me. It's a narcissistic it's like kind of unbelievably narcissistic. It's like you are the most important thing in the world, clearly, because yes. everyone will just fucking die if you didn't have a good business. It's like, yeah, like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's stupid. No, it's totally stupid. But people who are capable of doing this kind of thing don't think about it rationally. But he planned. I mean, allegedly, he planned this. He got his father's gun after his father died. Um, he learned how to shoot, bought a silencer, all this stuff. It's like, this wasn't like a passing thought that he like did in the heat of a, a manic episode. It's like, this was something that he was like stirring in his brain for probably weeks. I mean, psychotic episodes can last a long time. Weeks? Yeah. Do you think that this... Ooh, excuse me, I, I, my my uh, salad is coming back. Um, and yes, I ate a salad. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're welcome. No, I'm not welcome. I fucking hated it. Um, do you think that this was a psychotic episode? I think it could have been a psychotic break. I mean, to do something like that to people that you care for, mm -hmm. I would hope would take some kind of psychotic break. <laughs> You don't think that it was something he was always capable of? You think it took this moment? I think something in him had to snap. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was that tipped him over the edge. It might have been finding out that his father didn't have any money to leave to him. It might have been, you know, the fact that they were getting close to having to declare bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. It's most likely financial. But like... I just feel like in order to do something like that, you have to have just lost all grip on reality. I mean, I agree with you. I think I just, I struggle with it because I have been in financial straits. Like I have, I have, I have had financial issues. I've been broke and it never occurred to me that like, 
it would be better for me to kill the people I love than to say, we're having some problems and we need help. You know what I mean? It's like. But you don't base your entire identity around how much money you have. Well, and that's what I mean when I say the aristocracy makes no fucking sense to me. This whole idea of like your value being monetary or what you owe. It's like, what a, what a sad life. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not a pleasant way to live. I don't think, especially like you're constantly in competition with everyone around you. You Mm -hmm. constantly have to be doing more and more and more. Like you never get to just kind of sit back and enjoy what you have. You always have to be doing better than everybody else. So I do think that if you're a person with that mindset and all of a sudden you find that you have nothing, that could trigger sort of, again, a psychotic break, a psychotic episode. It's just so crazy to me. Because it's just such a breaking of the sense of self. I mean, I get that. I I get that this probably had something to do with him being fractured in that way, that he was suddenly kind of losing all all of his sense of self but it just like thank god i can't <laughs> i can't imagine what it must feel like <laughs> to say oh the best course of action is to kill my whole family yeah no um i can't tell you how happy i am that i have no idea what that feels like <laughs> yeah it's it's a bit bizarre to me but basically after all of this happens he, it, we are to assume that after about the fourth of April, he flees Nantes. Yes, uh, Nantes. Yes, yes. And um, please forgive me. I, I really like. I have not studied French in quite a while, and I, it's so hard for me to know when the S is silent, <laughs> because there are sometimes when it's like it should be silent and it's not. It's very much like English, where it has some confusing rules. Um, that said, he. We are we kind of assume because he was seen around the house outside by neighbors after presumably when the murders took place. So after the fourth, but very shortly after that, he disappeared and those letters were sent that he was (laughs) investigating a a drug, whatever with the with the DEA fucking letter. Um, and so basically he goes on the run. But he only drives, it's it's not far. It's maybe like 100 kilometers, not even. You know, he doesn't go very far and he's not going very fast. And he's not really making any attempts to hide his trail. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the town that he ended up being last seen in. But it's kind of in the southwest of France uh, and it's it's not far from Nantes and it's not far from the ocean either no basically it's kind of a, a it's the southwest of France and um, it's kind of embedded in these mountains that are near the ocean and there's basically <laughs> ample space to disappear yeah uh, but he checks into what I'm assuming is the French equivalent of a Motel 8 and He's last seen on security cam footage carrying a ba- like what looks like kind of an overnight bag, but also possibly a bag containing the gun. The gun, yeah. And he acknowledges 
the camera, he like sees it and and acknowledges that it is seeing him. And then that is the last anyone sees of him because he is walking clearly based on the footage out into kind of a uh, like a a mountainous region that's kind of all rocks and and foliage and and mountains. Yeah, he's he's walking off into into country. Into country, yes. And he disappears and no yeah. one ever sees him again that and we know of. Initially the police believe that he's going to commit suicide or that he had committed suicide. They were initially searching for his body. Um there are a lot of cliffs in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, in fact, what most family annihilators do. They kill their family and then they kill themselves. Mm-hmm. But um, they never found a corpse. They never found the overnight bag. They never found the gun. Mm-hmm. It's like he just vanished into thin air. You know what's strange? Because this is essentially where the episode ends. I'm not convinced that he didn't kill himself. I think it's a possibility. I, I don't think it's totally impossible that that's exactly what he did Mm -hmm. but it does seem strange for them to search for him for like two months and not find any sign of him at all it is very strange i just i imagine if he set out on foot depending on the provisions he brought for himself he could make it pretty far especially if he was in kind of an untamed area there's or he had another car at another location or he he had another car i i just i feel like it's not impossible that he's gone because we discussed this at length after we watched the episode. It was like, well, what do you do after that? You yeah. you can't you don't have a passport. You can't go to another French city. You'd have to either leave the country or you'd have to you'd have to excuse yourself from this this plane. So, I uh, there there really there aren't a lot of outs and even traveling to another country depending on the country, would be very difficult, even if you found a way to do it. I mean, I don't think it's, again, I don't think it's impossible that he did that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, like logistically, it's not It's not the most likely outcome, which I think is one of the reasons why this case is so baffling, is nothing about this is the most likely outcome. Mm-hmm. Like... For instance, the fact that there was like zero blood found in the house. Yeah, it's after, bizarre. After the murders, like nothing about this case is normal. Nothing about it is kind of what you would expect. So, there's a part of me that goes, honestly, he didn't. He didn't go to script on anything else. So why the fuck wouldn't he have just disappeared somewhere? And I agree with you. I guess it just becomes challenging because it's like, well, then what did he do? Because he took if he took like let's say he took a train taking an international train you need a passport right um i don't know if you needed a passport to go to another country in the eu at the time really i'm not sure huh that would be interesting to find out cuz that was one that was one thing that that was one kind of situation that was posed was that he could have hopped on a train to Italy or he could have uh could have fucking walked driv- to Italy d- walked or driven to Italy because it wasn't that terribly far I mean it would have been a long fucking walk longer than my fat ass ever would have done but uh 
I'll tell you this. If I was walking from southern France to Italy, that gun would have looked mighty nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they said that he could have boarded uh, kind of a a freight ship that he could have. There there are a lot of things he could have done, but his credit cards weren't used. His... uh, his passport wasn't used. He didn't have an air an airline ticket under his name. He didn't have a train ticket under his name. And I love that they say that like it's relevant. Like if you were running from the fucking if you were running from fucking Interpol, you'd use your name to get an airplane yeah, ticket. Like- um, the whole thing is very strange. And then we have the fucking lawyer. <laughs> Who's like, I'm not entirely convinced that he did it. We have no idea what happened. And it's like, shut the fuck up. You don't even, like, what a moron. It's like, I, this is one of the things that is the most infuriating about lawyers. The best case scenario for you is that he was in this house with his dead family for three days and thought nothing was wrong. And then went on his own little solo vacation without telling anyone where he was going. Everyone's sleeping. Better pack the car. Uh, It's like, this lawyer is just ridiculous. And he maintains that he does not believe that he, that Xavier killed his family. And it makes me wonder because one of the most popular uh, kind of theories is that Xavier did not do this alone. Mm. I wonder if I'm not saying that the lawyer helped him kill his family. I'm not saying that. <laughs> the hamster's already looking. The, hamster, the hamster's <laughs> like, cool it. <laughs> the, I can hear the ball rolling down the hall. Um, but I wonder if the lawyer was made privy to some kind of information that in hindsight, he realizes was a prerequisite to the murder. Do you know what I mean? I mean like some kind possible. of like some kind of uh uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um red flag. Not just a red flag, but like if if he went to his lawyer with questions about um estate or Oh, you mean like he might have given him legal advice that 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 he used in committing this murder. You know what I mean? Like it it's something that without anyone without knowing his knowledge. Yeah, and so I I wonder if it could be something that uh, I'm this is all speculative anyway. Don't you know, take this with a grain of salt. But um I I wonder if it could have been information that without clarity could have somehow implicated him in in this that it would make him look like an accomplice or make him look guilty even if he wasn't and so he's just chosen the path of least resistance which is like i'm just gonna say i don't even think he fucking did it it was like a crazy person who walked in off the street i i could see that being the case because he the guy's a lawyer he's not an idiot like no i think um i think though that since he is the lawyer for the dunlegane family and the estate i presume um, whatever there was mm-hmm. that was left, which apparently is not much. <laughs> yeah, but I I assume that what he's he's doing is trying to protect their interests by saying that Xavier didn't Xavier do it. Didn't do in it. case he does come about at some point. Yeah, and but he can't still be on retainer. 
<laughs> like, what's he getting a random check every month? <laughs> Don't know where it came from. The address just said Italy. Well, I mean, they never said that Xavier was an only child. So, <laughs> but it says that they do say in the in this in the episode that um, his son would have uh, been the next Tomas would have been the heir. Yeah. So I have to assume that I mean he might have had sisters, right? I suppose, but I can't imagine that his sisters. Are keeping the the lawyer on retainer? Are they? I don't really understand how the French aristocracy works either. So, uh, well, this is the thing. Idiot. Even if he has a younger brother, like technically the lineage would end if it's a direct succession. Mm-hmm. The lineage would end with Tomas, and be picked up. Even if it was picked up by a younger brother, of would Xavier's, it technically be a the lineage, lineage is broken? Yes. Oh. Is my understanding of how that works. How strange. There are so many rules. <laughs> there are so, so many like rules. Like useless rules. You have to think that like all of this probably came about because simply because in like the year 14, they didn't have Wi-Fi. So it's like, well, what else are we going to do? <laughs> we're just going to agree. We're going to come up with this weird fucking game That's, of Survivor. It's all about money. <laughs> it's all about who gets the money. I know. But also a little bit of entertainment. Also a little bit <laughs> They just like, they're like, these are the rules. Get the popcorn. <laughs> and there's some little brother like, fuck you. <laughs> now watch them fight. <laughs> and everyone gets a 22 caliber rifle. Go. And also, uh, if you're a bastard, it doesn't matter when you were born. <laughs> all the bastards. Fuck you. All the bastards. All the bastards. The bastards of the world unite. <laughs> the BWU. <laughs> um, so that is essentially the story here. That yeah. is what happened to... Uh, I keep wanting to say Alexander Dumas, and I'm like, that has literally nothing to do no. with this. <laughs> it's just French. That's all. That's the only... <laughs> That's the only similarity. Um, like the Count of Monte Cristo. Has something to do with it. it was a count. It's a, it, uh, it's, it goes straight to the top. Um, <laughs> that's my tribute to Georgia. Um, what the hell was I saying? Uh, so Alexander Dumas. Alexander Dumas. Yes, thank you. Back on track. <laughs> let's let's. Kind of, I mean, we're getting towards the end of this episode, but I'm curious to hear your theory about what you think he did when he walked out of that hotel. I think he walked straight to another car. Really? I think, th- yeah. Where do you think he got it, though? Bought it with cash, had one, stole one, who knows? And you think he just drove off into the sunset like Thelma? Yeah, I think I think he drove away. He somehow got out of Dodge. I mean, it's one of the things that uh, even the investigator was saying. You know, he doesn't have any like real distinguishing physical characteristics. Like he's a very average-looking guy. Mm. I think it's entirely possible that he just shaved his head, grew a beard, and moved to Croatia. Yeah, I don't see why not. Hmm. I don't think he killed himself or that we would have found at least the gun by now. You think? Yeah. Because, like, this is the thing. If he was going to kill himself, there's no reason to hide the body or the gun. Unless, again, it goes back to that narcissism thing where it's like, I don't want them to know that I 
failed the ultimate, you know, quote unquote, the ultimate failure. I mean, I guess that's possible, but I, I don't know. I just feel like if you're at the point where you're going to end your own life, I, I feel like at some, at some point you just have to not care. Like, and I feel like if you're going to do something like that, you have to have hit that point. I mean, I I agree with you to a certain extent. I kind of am on the bandwidth that I think he's probably dead. Okay. I think I think that he probably took his own life somewhere in the mountains. I don't think it was in the area surrounding the hotel. I think he certainly could have gotten in a car and driven away. He could have walked away. He could have taken a boat. But I think wherever he went, I think he... Because there's no way he could have lived a, a life of any kind of quality after this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even if it wasn't immediately following the chase, I think he's probably gone. That's fair. But again, like not to overly compare it to John List, but I mean, John List moved to another state. He didn't even leave the country. Mm-hmm. Start a new life, start a new family. This was back in the 70s. Uh, 80s, too, I believe. They, really? Yeah, I don't think he got caught until the late 80s or early 90s. But he, I'm saying he commit the murders in, I think, the early 70s. I think it was uh, 71, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, because <laughs> I'm like, you told me all about this, but I happened to look it up. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, God, if I could only find where I... Yeah, no, he, um, he killed them in 1971... He was caught in 1989. So, I mean, so I that's mean, 18 years. Yeah, 18 years is not too shabby for having murdered your entire family. I know. And what a fucking dickhead thing to do, number like, one. Like, seriously. Like, fuck you. <laughs> um, what a, we're going to have to investigate that case, I think, at some point. Yeah. And that's that's totally fine. Um, it is kind of eerily similar to this particular story it's kind of odd how similar it is and i mean you could absolutely be right maybe xavier is out there living somewhere he started a new family and he's you know i don't know south american or croatian or something i don't know because that was something that uh another there was a woman (laughs) who was talking in this series and i'm sure at some point they gave they like gave her title and how she was related to the family, but I don't remember seeing it. It was just this woman. And it seemed a little bit like, like she had like all these theories and she was very involved in the storytelling. And I was like, I have no idea who this person is. <laughs> she was, it was like, they were She's like, just an enthusiast. They're like, we need one more interview. And they walked down to the street. They're like, do you have 10 minutes? <laughs> um, but one of the theories that she posed was that he could have gone to South America because he was bilingual. He, he spoke English. Um, and that's not to say that all or even many of the countries in South America are English speaking, but um, I think he probably could have gotten by enough with his English to kind of get by until he learned the, the local language, whether it was Spanish or Portuguese or whatever it was down in South America. Um, who knows? I, it's really kind of a who knows situation. Yeah, no, there's not really any way to tell unless he gets caught. Or found. <laughs> or found. 
There was I was reading uh I was reading an article earlier that said um in 2019 uh a man that physically resembled Dupont de Ligonnet was arrested in Glasgow. Really? Yes. But um he was later ruled out because of DNA. Well, that's unfortunate for that poor guy. I know, could you imagine? <laughs> like, like kill my whole family. I don't even know these people. <laughs> Poor guy. Which is night out. Yes. I don't even know these people. Could you imagine being accused of a murder you knew nothing about? I would have to imagine it's an incredibly disorienting experience. And it's like, you... I wouldn't even know what to do. It's like, I'm not him. I'm also not French. Like, didn't they notice at some point that, like, he, he was, he was like, talking in a brogue? Like, kind of. I don't know. He could have just been really good at putting it on. You never know. Oh, who knows? Well, uh, good news and bad news, kids. Uh, that's the end of this episode, and that's the good news. <laughs> <laughs> the bad news is we're at the end of the episode. But um, this is a really great episode of Unsolved Mysteries, and you all should absolutely watch it, because, uh, especially because, I'll say it especially because, uh, these, in my opinion, are the, I don't want to say most important, but they are the most influential episodes, because theoretically this man is still out there so god willing someone will watch this episode and say oh my god that's my that's my night nurse oh my god that's my uh plumber you know and xavier will be brought to justice if he's still out there um any final thoughts Ms. no Baxter? i don't think so <laughs> you're like nope can't think of anything <laughs> I'm done with this bastard take him away <laughs> um, so that's it for episode 3 kids please uh, if you haven't go give it a watch and if you have I hope you enjoyed our, our little discussion about it. Uh, it it's such a thorough experience it didn't leave a lot to interpretation but I did enjoy watching the episode and uh, we will have another episode for you this Thursday uh, here at My Spooky Gay Family. Week six, sadly almost halfway through the 13 weeks of Halloween. So until Thursday, stay spoopy and remember. Bonjour, je suis le grand musique. Je suis la jeune fille. Yes, that's French they're speaking. And no, these children aren't French. They're American. And they've acquired their amazing new language skills from Muzzy the remarkable new video language program for children developed by the British Broadcasting Corporation. With this unique BBC language course, children learn a second language with incredible ease. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from the original Muzzy commercial created by the British Broadcasting Company in 1986. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Mm-hmm.